Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jameis Winston went to see someone you never want your franchise quarterback to go see. And what does it mean for the rest of the season? His and the Bucks. Also a pleasant surprise for the Tampa Bay Rays. Welcome in, everyone, to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with our producer, Steve Versnick. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Rick Stroud. How are you as you get ready for a second half of a buck season headed down the tubes once again? Gee, that's something different for me. Um, <laughs> don't know what quite to do last in the last decade or so. Yeah, you mentioned James Andrews. and um, I did not mention James Andrews. That's the guy's name. Oh, that, that you never want to have your quarterback go see, right, James? It's like Dang. Rick. It's like uh, what's his name, Jim Cantori. You always say mm. this, Rick. Mm. Jim Cantori comes to your neighborhood. You're either in the eye of a hurricane, or the path of a tornado, or under a mudslide, or something like that. Well, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, or a shortstop, or a pitcher, three words: Doctor James Andrews. You never want to hear it. And yeah. yet, Jameis heard it. He heard it. I, I guess he's been hearing it for a while. I mean, apparently, uh, Dr. James Andrews has been um, sort of a consultant um, looking at, I guess, MRI sort of from the, from the beginning. Dr. Andrews visit. I didn't know Dr. Andrews for a long time. No, it's just standard protocol. You're right. I mean, with that guy, it's been said, you know, he's either going to make a decision or an incision. And, you know, you just <laughs> you really don't know. You really don't know which is worse. But um, but they say and, you know, I've believed almost everything I've been told at one buck place of late about this injury that, um, you know, nothing additional was found that sort of nothing to see here. Although, you know, you do kind of wonder, I mean, they are shutting them down and I suppose this was the, the earliest opportunity. Maybe he could get in there cause I'm sure the guy has a big client list, but, uh, but he actually went up there on Tuesday. He and, went to like Pensacola, right? He has an office. Yeah. In he has, he has a, yeah. And golf breeze. He has a, um, Near Pensacola, he has a, a, a clinic uh, and one in Birmingham. So he kind of splits time between those two places. And so he went up there and, um, you know, uh, it's sort of funny the way it came out was a patient there, a woman, um, having to have her son <laughs> and uh, posted a picture of Jameson, her son, on Facebook. So um, so they but weren't trying to hide let me it ask you, Let me ask you this, though, Rick, and I know they weren't trying to hide it, but when you heard this for the first time, when I first oh. saw this, James Andrews, and and then you hear more stories about, oh, wait a minute, he's actually been seeing him since the very beginning. I don't know why I thought this, not, and I can't exactly connect A to B here, but mm -hmm. it just feels weird to me. Something feels like kind of like not good about it. Well, I mean, you know, typically a lot of players get second opinions, and I don't know if this is even qualifies as a second opinion. I mean, James Andrews works or has worked in the past as, as a team doctor for, you know, for various things, including Auburn and Alabama and those kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I guess it's the investment. Um, you want to make sure that what your doctors are seeing, in this case, they've told us, the only thing they've told us is it's an AC joint sprain, but you want to make sure that, that what your guys are seeing is actually what, what is happening. And so, um, you know, look, a lot of times they want to check their own work and, and I don't think sure. it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad thing. 
but again, you know, you, you don't have to be, you don't have to believe that Oswald didn't act alone to think that there's something more here, you know, going on uh, inside this guy's shoulder. And, uh, and yet, there's also a part of me that thinks that, you know, they truly want him to get healthy and they realize at two and six instead of two and four, um, maybe the risk isn't worth the reward. If that makes sense, and no, that, it does. You know, it, you, you sort of, uh, you know, you kind of. I, what I wonder about now is this: uh, what happens in two weeks? You know, um, let's say they they don't win any of them, um, or even if they won't. I mean, heck, I, I suppose if you won them both, maybe you'd feel different about things all of a sudden. But um, I, I just wonder how anxious will they be to put him back on the field, you know, in harm's way. I mean, two weeks doesn't seem like an awful long time to heal up much in your shoulder. And if there's no surgery required now, are you not, you know, going to put him back, you know, sort of in the ringer again? Or or is two weeks all he really needs to heal from this thing? It's just very right. bizarre to me. I, I, think, I think we're not getting the whole story. I'm not sure we'll get the whole story. Um, but it's, it's, it's you know... There is there is bells that go off when you hear Dr. James Andrews. It's that, and that's exactly where I'm coming from, Rick. If it was serious enough for Dr. James Andrews to be involved, would it have not have been serious enough for him to, to maybe sit earlier than this? That's the only question that I have is that if you're involving one of the most renowned orthopedic surgeons in the entire country who mm-hmm. deals specifically with athletes, and he's checking this guy from if you want to believe what the Bucks are saying right from the beginning – Right, from, almost on a, on a regular basis, should he have been still playing football at that point? If I, that's where I have the question: is boy, if James Andrews is saying you're, you're going to send him up to see him, should he should he be playing in football games? And that's where that's a good, and we'll never know the answer to this. But I'll tell you one thing, Rick: if he if he if he was hurt and he was hurt enough that he was seeing James Andrews, something went wrong that either he was making a decision, he being Jameis, that I want to play, or somebody should have stepped in and said you shouldn't play. Or else this thing isn't that bad after all. I, I just the whole thing seems weird to me. Yeah. I again. I. I mean, you know, as it turns out, he actually first met James Andrews when he was in sixth grade, and for whatever <laughs> reason, had to see him. I guess he had shoulder problems going back that far. Um, um, but said he was there when Drew Brees was there, as a matter of fact, and got his autograph the first time <laughs> as a Saint. So that's that's how old Drew Brees is. But I. You know, I do. I I think that it's I think it's fairly common for athletes and particularly, you know, guys that have the sort of uh, importance to their team that Jameis does to to go to the best specialist um, to make sure um, that there isn't, you know, I mean, there there are two ways to look at this. It's like, did they see something and, and think that possibly surgery was the best alternative and they wanted him to see it or did they not see as much, but, you know, recognize he's in pain and they don't want to put him out there if, in fact, there's some, you know, undetectable tear or, you know, higher degree of separation or AC right. sprain. So, I mean, look, this guy is the best and he's not that far away. Uh, you get a Tuesday where the players are off anyway. He's not going to practice or play this week. It seemed like a convenient time to do it. They sure. didn't seem to be in a rush to get him up there. Uh, he's had this injury now for for about a month. So I think this, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. The people that are talking to me say there's really nothing there there. Um, 
but I guess know, I would we'll ask see. this, Rick. I, I guess I would ask this: What is what's different between today and three two weeks ago? Is is he in that much more pain? Is there something a little bit more wrong with that shoulder as opposed to a week or two weeks ago? Or is it basically the same? I I kept hearing the whole time he can't do any more damage to it. He can't do any more damage to it. Well. Did he do more damage to it? And if he did, then I can understand, okay, you shut him down for two weeks. But if if he's in enough pain now where he's not playing, wasn't that the same? Aren't we in the same spot we were two weeks ago, I guess, is what I'm what I'm asking. You know, it's that's what I and I don't know if we'll ever get the answer to that question, you know? Yeah. I applaud them for sending him to James Andrews and you want to protect him. I also applaud them for sending him down for a couple of weeks. I just wonder if it should have been done a couple of weeks ago. Now, if he turns out of this thing and he's okay. And I and I don't think he's. That's the only reason they're two and six at this point. I think they got plenty of problems. But you bring up an interesting point, Rick. What if let's say they win the next two games and they're four and six at that point? Four mm. and six. Now you could say, well, they're going to be four and six, but they've won two games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You would assume a quarterback, so you keep him in there. Not that he's going to take Jameis Winston's job, but the other part of this is what if they lose the next two and they're two and eight? Mm-hmm. Then do you think about shutting Jameis down for? Maybe not for the rest of the season, but let's set him another two weeks or another three weeks. Let's make really sure he's okay. Um, yes to the second one, in my opinion. Uh, the first one, if if Ryan Fitzpatrick somehow wins these next two games and Jameis is healthy, I think Jameis plays again because I think at that point you're going back into the division against Atlanta. You've got four division games left. You have a chance, a chance, to go four and two in your division, and and you're, you're going to try to run the table. You know, you're going to try to to do the Aaron Rodgers R E L A X thing. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, you know, I, I don't think anyone's really thinking that way. I mean, look, t- to be honest, we'll get in this game. I'm sure as we get later down the week, um, they've got a lot of guys that are hurt right now, and none of it's good. Um, you know, both uh, offense starting offensive tackles did not practice today. DeMar Dotson, and it looks, you know, it looks like um, Donovan Smith is going to be out, uh, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. It's only when it's, you know. Yeah, he this, was, one, this when, is based he, on Wednesday's this practice. It's based on Wednesday's practice. But, um, and then, you know, you just got, you know, no Mike Evans. And, um, you know, we don't know about Brent Grimes still. And, you know, there, there's just a lot a of. A little more optimistic on Brent Grimes, though, right, than we were a week ago. Well, I mean, he was limited, but he, he's been, he been, yeah, I mean, a week ago they shut him down sort of, but he's been he's been limited before and not played. Right. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, with the offensive line, the defensive line, you know, you're, you're not going to have. Um, William Golston, who's walking around in a neck brace. I mean, the good news is neurologically he's okay. The bad news is he's walking around in a neck brace. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Ayers is nicked up. Gerald McCoy was limited with a shoulder. Um, you just got guys that, that you know, are not, are not doing very well and so therefore aren't practicing. And you're playing a Jets team that's four and five, trying to get to 500, um, you know, by their bye week. And you know, in the AFC, there's not that many teams that, that are 500 or above. So you could have, I mean, potentially three teams from the East make the playoffs. It's not it's not that far-fetched. Right. So I, I just think that for a lot of reasons, this is going to be a, a difficult game for them. So they're pro- they probably won't win the next two. But if they did and Jameis, Jameis had two weeks off and was healthy, you know, then then he would go. But, you know, there's also this, this idea, and I heard Derek Brooks uh, speak about this, and I have said this, um... But there's also this idea that, you know, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks have to go through similar things. 
where, you know, whether it was Tom Brady missing a year or suspension um, or Peyton Manning or, you know, and those guys were much, much, much more accomplished at the time. Sure. But my point is what, what Derek was saying was there's value in him not playing and not from a physical standpoint, but seeing the game at the NFL level, he's never, he's never missed a game. He's never missed a start. Hell, he's barely missed a play. Um, but seeing the game from a different perspective and, and sort of where the quarterback position fits in. You know, I, I think it's different if you're in the heat of the battle, week in and week out, game planning, executing, taking the shots. You're the guy that everybody's looking at to, to be the leader and so on and so forth. And I think this is a good opportunity for him um, to sort of watch the whole game, if that makes sense. Like I, It does make sense. And here's the thing, Rick, and there's a conspiracy theory out there that they shut him down for that reason, not because... I don't believe of, that. Of I don't believe it. Now, look, the, what happened the other day before the game? He's taken a lot of hits over this, eating Ws. Did I think it was stupid? Yeah, I thought it was stupid. But I think I think half the things he does are stupid, and, it, and his teammates seem to enjoy it and get a kick out of it. And if they'd have won the other day, it would have been funny. And... I didn't think it was that big a deal. Here's the other thing. Yeah, he was dumb to come off the bench and push that guy and push Lattimore's helmet. I, that's not that's not bench worthy. Let's bench him now. He's he's totally lost his mind. He's no, totally immature. Not, no. I'm not buying this theory for one second. No, I no. agree with you. I think it's it might turn out to be a good thing that yeah. he's sitting for a couple of days. But well, I don't think that Dirk Cutter and Jason Light got together with the Glazers and said, you know what, let's sit him down. We'll use the no. shoulders as an excuse, and we'll sit him down so that, that we're actually benching him for a couple of games. I asked, I asked Jameis if there was any percentage of sort of like, you know, uh, is there any part of this that's that's performance-based? I would hope that it's based, based on just me getting healthy. You know, uh, obviously uh, the performance uh, from – Last game and really Arizona game and Carolina game wasn't there, but I mean, we just started talking about performance when the first quarter of the season we were top ten in every category offensively. So um, I, I, I hope that this is just strictly on my my injury. It makes a good point. It's like no one was talking about my performance a few weeks ago when we were the number one passing offense, number two offense overall, you know? Um, but that was four weeks through the season. And now, now that hasn't gone so well since the injury, I will say that when the autopsy, Tom, I'm telling you, when the autopsy is done on this year, and this might actually be what the Glazers have to swallow or digest before they make, any any notions of a coaching or GM change is this, that Jameis Winston was, you know, such a focal point and is such a focal point of their year that any starting quarterback, when they're not right, when they can't play, and let's let's just assume that we say, well, Jameis has played the last four games, but he was hurt. They went on for... They scored nine points in the first half of all those games. They sit them down for two weeks. That's six weeks without your starting quarterback. There is not a team in the NFL that I know of, short of the New England Patriots before they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, that can sustain the loss of their quarterback or not being a healthy quarterback. Um, and I mean, you know, I, I know we saw Jameis. I know he had one good half in Buffalo. But I think this is what they have to understand about what happened this year. 
Now, does that to be, mean? Now, to be fair, to be fair, I'll throw out the Minnesota Vikings have survived so far. Without well, right, right, right. You say that. Yes, that's true, and and, and you're, that's that's a great point. I mean, Case Keenum has come in and done a really nice job. But I will say this, like with respect to the Vikings, when they decided when Sam Bradford tried to go on a bad knee, and he's now on right. IR, by the way. But when right. he tried to come back, and he he played on a Monday night or a Thursday night as a nationally televised game, and he was looking for a place to fall down. That team looked bad on defense. They looked bad on offense. And they Keenum did. actually came off they the did. bench in the second yeah. half and won the game against, I think it was against the Bears. It was a terrible team they were playing that's true. I at that's the time. True. And and so, in other words, how do the Packers look right now? Yeah, not good. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like no, I know, think, okay, no, think about I the value. With, I, agree with you. I agree with you, Rick. I mean, you're starting. I, I just wanted to point that out because somebody would hear this and say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great point. I forgot about Case Keenum. But my point is, is that not many teams, or we'll give you the Vikings, no. and that's a great example. But you're not going to see many teams that can survive the loss of their franchise quarterback. And, like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm asking for the most money ever paid to any player in the <laughs> NFL because they went from Super Bowl contender to the worst team in the NFC North, and that's saying something. So, I mean, that's how valuable Rodgers Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But, but along those lines, to his team, I think Jameis Winston has that sort of value, especially when you're not whole on defense, when you know you, you're not... Uh, clicking on all cylinders in the running game. When, when certain things aren't going well, um, that's how much he means to them. And so there's six games. There's a six-game block here um, that, look, Dirk Cutter and, and, and Jason Light could make a fairly good case. And it's not to say that, 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 that this has gone well with the kicking game and all these things that have gone wrong on defense. Sure. But you could make a case that, well, look, that's where it went sideways on us. I agree with that, Rick. And uh, as as much as I think they have issues on defense and are going to have to get better personnel wise, and their offensive line is something that I'm not, uh, I was never crazy about. Yeah. I will say that there are moments during the, those that four game stretch where they were, were really throughout this losing streak, where they just didn't put up any points in the first half. And if you can go down and put up a field goal, you can go down and score a touchdown. It eases up some of the pressure on the defense. It does change the complexion of a game when you're when you're down, say, when it's seven nothing, and then all of a sudden it's seven seven. Sure. Instead of being down seven nothing, and now you're fighting to stay from going down fourteen nothing. Well, which I mean, happens a lot along those lines. And, I, and again, I'm I'm like I'm I'm laying out the defense, you know, in in the case of uh, Dirk Cutter versus the Bucks. But um, I, you know, when you start the season, you have you come out against a bad Chicago team, Mike Lennon. They turn it over three times in the first half. Boom, you you, you know you roll. Um, and then you go to Minnesota and you just laid an egg. I mean, you know, Jameis is throwing, making bad reads. Uh, defense did not have, now listen to me, did not have Brent Grimes that day. Mm -hmm. uh, did not have Levante David or Quan Alexander. Okay, you with me on that? Mm -hmm. Think about that. Three of their four best players on defense, not even on the field. And in Case Keenum being a buck killer and does what <laughs> Case Keenum does. And then you come back 
you know, and, and you, you win another game against a team that's not very good. But then you go quickly, uh, you know, you beat the Giants, which, I mean, the Giants at that point, nobody knew they were going to be a train wreck. But, you know, they still had Brandon Marshall. They still had Odell Beckham. They still had all their horses at that time. Right. Um, and, and this whole time you're struggling with the kicking, struggling, struggling, struggling. Then you play the New England Patriots a couple days later, and the Patriots come in, and they're, they're struggling themselves. Um, and, and they're not exactly killing it on offense and you sack. That's when you do get three sacks and Tom Brady, you get an interception from a rookie and, and you need a kick and you miss three huge kicks in that game. And, and it, yet your quarterback's throwing the ball from the 18 yard line in the end zone to try to win it on the last drive. No, no, you know, big embarrassment to lose to the New England Patriots at any time. Um, but they did and they only gave up 19 points. Then the wheels come off, you know, and, and that right. doesn't excuse the first half in Arizona when, you know, things went bad and Jameis, you know, they fall behind and all those things. But my point is, is that that didn't look much different than last year. You know, that didn't look much different right. than, than at any point last year. What looked different was once you started deciding he's not going to practice, he's going to play on Friday, he's going to practice Friday. Yes, he's playing. No, he's not practicing. Yes, he's going to practice on Friday. Yes, he's playing. That's sort of when everything just felt, and it still feels that way. I'm in that locker room. I'm telling you, Tom, there is no life in that locker room. I mean, it is, you know, guys playing ping pong, and the rest of them looks like they're just getting ready to go go work, you know, uh, online someplace on the steel in the steel mills. I mean, yeah. there's just it's it's become a job again, and that's where you don't want to be in the NFL. It's too bad, Rick, when you look back. And I'm a big believer, as I believe you are. You are what your record says you are. Mm -hmm. There, Because there are games you win that sometimes you probably should lose. Sure. There are games you lose, you probably should win. But wonder how this season would be looked at. Right now, I if you if you let me change two plays, have them score on the last play of the New England game, and all of a sudden you win that game. And if you take out that 60-yard pass or whatever against Buffalo after mm -hmm. they had just taken the lead, and they'd be 4-4 four and four right now. Now, you could mm -hmm. also go back and say, well, wait a minute, the Giants game, they, they don't kick a field goal at the end there, they lose that game or whatever. Yeah. It, I, might take away the, I might take away the, uh, the play in Arizona where the guy lays on his shoulder. That's just yeah. me. Well, that could be. That could be. That could change everything. But I'm, what I'm saying, even with that, even sure, with, even the with that, you're 500 and you're right in the middle of the NFC South yeah, right now. Still, still dealing with it. So, hey, Rick, uh, surprise news coming out of baseball. Race third baseman Evan Longoria won his third gold glove, most in franchise history. No question he's a terrific defensive third baseman. I'm a bit surprised, though, that he won, considering he's going up against uh, Manny Machado, who I think is the best third baseman in baseball. Even Longoria, Rick, kind of downplayed it because overall he didn't have as good a season as he did in 2016. So what do you sort of make of Evan Longoria wins the gold glove, but what does it mean ultimately as far as Evan Longoria and the Rays and the type of season he had? Does, does it make you look at his season differently? Um, well, it's his third, so, you know, good on him for that. And I guess, you know, the Sabermetrics guys won because he had some numbers that I can't crunch that were just slightly higher than Manny Machado. But the eyeball test tells me that Manny Machado is a better at third baseman. <laughs> just watch the sports center top tens. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, any any five of his plays are better than, than, you know, the five best plays that Evan had. And Evan's still a very good fielder, and he works at it. Um, but it used to be, you know, this is the other thing that, that was happening with the gold glove. It was the best fielder who also had a big year at, at the plate. Right. And, you know, it, it really wasn't just it seemed like it was also there was some offensive component. And I think that's what shocked Evan Longoria, because he clearly 
didn't reach any of his of his base numbers and home runs or average or RBIs, and yet he ended up with some hardware, which you know, on a team that did nothing. So I think that surprised him. But remember, Adrian Beltre was hurt a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore really didn't. You know, they they were a bottom feeder as well. So um, the, again, he had a couple sabermetric, uh, you know, geeks that um, that that sort of and worked I'm not in his like favor. Stunned. I don't think anybody's like totally stunned. Like Evan Longoria, what the hell is he doing? No, he's won two like, already. So right. this was his third. And as you mentioned, I you know I'm at a ton of Rays games where I'm out there early, and he's out there on his knees fielding ground yeah. balls, throwing to first base from his knees. It's he's he works incredibly hard at being a, a really good defensive third baseman. Here's the thing, though, Rick. You're starting to wonder now about Longoria and where he is in his career that uh, I don't know that he gets any better than this. You know, offensively, he took a bit of a dip in 2017. Defensively, though, he's still pretty good. If you're ever going to trade him, this seems to be the time to trade him if you're going to do it because I don't, I don't know that his stock gets any higher than it is each day. You know, and then tomorrow will be a little bit less. And tomorrow, I don't think he's going to become a better player in July of next year than he is right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a really hard thing um, if you're the Rays because you don't have anything to sell uh, as it is. And I think the one thing that that might bring your eight to 10,000 people to the ballpark is that number three is going to be in the lineup every day. And that's the other thing. He doesn't take many days or any days off. Um, it, you're right. Well, that's a great I mean, point. It's a great point because Steve Versnick and I, our producer, were talking right before the podcast. Has there been a fran- has there been a player in a franchise who's meant more than Evan Longoria has meant to the Rays? This franchise in, in in the Tampa Bay franchise? No, 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 no. In the in the Rays franchise, has they have they ever had a player who's meant more to them? No. than Evan Longoria. Has? Oh no, no. It's not. I don't even think it's close. I mean, maybe in the early days you would say you know there was a time when Carl Crawford was was pretty right. much their only superstar. And Steve but, mentioned at one point like James Shields because of the yeah. impact that he had on the pitching staff on the whole staff. Yeah, boy. But from for overall from leadership no. to. And from start field. to finish, right? Because yeah. and I mean, big he, moments, it, big moments too. Yeah, I mean, you, when you think of the Rays, you think of, you know, the. I mean, they they have a porch named after him in left field. I mean, they have, you know, I mean, he's he he went to the World Series um, as a rookie, right? Right. Um, you know, all those all those big moments that he's had that um, that you wouldn't have had without him. So no, no question, he's the he is the biggest iconic face. He'll have the first statue outside whatever hell field they put in Montreal. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> Ybor City. Um, and so, yeah, he's 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 the deal. And that's what that's the hardest thing about it is, you know, what are you writing? Well, not so much you because you would probably have reason. You'd probably be reasonable about it. But what what are the 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 few Rays fans that still are out there that go to games saying? If they go, look, it's a sound baseball decision. He's not going to get better right. at this age, and yet if we keep him past this year, he can reject any trade anywhere, anytime. And right. so this is our last best chance to trade him. Um, you know what? What would the Rays fans say? They would revolt, and it would be a, a gut punch to Rays fans. I agree with you, Rick. And I don't know what you can get for him at this point. If 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 you're unable to get what you think would be a really great player, you're probably better off as a franchise and yes. sending a signal to your fan base to let's, we're just going to have this guy finish his career, even though he's not the player he was five years ago. And even though we might be passing up a guy that could turn out to be a pretty good player for us in the future, I think he's a guy that you hold on to. I, mm-hmm. I just, I just think he means too much to the fan base that 
you might pass up a pretty good baseball deal just because you don't want to send a bad message to your fans. I agree. I agree. So, Rick, you and I on Tuesday went out to Spectrum Sports to do a television show. We we taped the the television show that appeared on Tuesday night. And we had to use a different studio. They said, oh, there was a plane crash out out off the Gulf of Mexico. We just, we didn't know, we had no idea at the time. No one did. Turns out it was Roy Halladay, who's the great pitcher from the Blue Jays and the Phillies. And he now lives in the area. In fact, he was doing some volunteer coaching work at Calvary Christian where his son was playing. But, Rick, it was, it's funny about Roy Holiday and everything you hear about him. I heard a great line today is that whoever your favorite baseball player was, if you ask that player who his favorite baseball player was, they would say Roy Holiday. That's how much other players in the game respected him. And I don't think we give him, oddly enough, enough credit. If you'd asked me two days ago, name the best five pitchers of the last 10, 15, 20 years. I don't think I would have said Roy Halladay, but then if you would have said Roy Halladay, I would have said, oh, yeah, how could I forget Roy Halladay? He's de- he's, it's a weird kind of career that he had, but he's he's one of the best pitchers, really, of of his generation. I think he'll be a Hall of Fame pitcher. I mean, I, I and this, you know, n- not nothing to do with um, his tragic death or anything like that. I mean, he just, he had that sort of impact on Toronto and the Phillies, and I just remember I watched way too many games that the Rays played against Roy Holiday in the Trop, and he got them every time. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> and did. They, I mean, he got a lot of people, but he really got the Rays a lot. Um, th- here's what I know, because I um, and my son w- is, uh, you know, grew up in the East Lake area, and we had some friends, uh, the Blairs, um, that are um, now in in the Chicago area, but they were good friends of the Holidays, and and I had seen seen him a lot. The one thing that's universal about him, and, and we heard I heard this locally, and you hear it now nationally, and, and so on and so forth, was that this guy, you know, was I mean, as you mentioned, one of the best pitchers of his generation, and made a lot of money, <laughs> mm-hmm. made, you know, and and had you know pretty much um, as much notoriety as you can have playing in Philly and Toronto, um, but honest to goodness, everybody to a man said. He had no airs about him whatsoever, no ego. He was about just helping everybody, um, family, um, coaching, you know. Yeah. Uh, and if you didn't notice that he was about six foot five or six, you know, and, and certainly looked like he could have been or was a professional athlete, he was just the dude next door that, you know, everybody loved. And that's sort of the legacy of him was that, you know, in addition to just being a great, great player and pitcher uh, and had to overcome a lot of things to do that. He, you know, everybody that from the East Lake area and then he moved then he moved up to Oldsmar and, and you know, wherever he settled now in Pasco County um, up there. But he, you know, he is beloved. I mean, he did work with the sheriff's department in Pasco. Yep. He was active in the community and in his church and, you know, with his sons and he just... 40 years old, Tom. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of... And, and the whole thing, too, about it was is that, you know, he was an avid flyer. I mean, he loved aviation. I guess his father uh, was into that as well. But this was a very light aircraft, I guess, mm-hmm. and something that w- was he had had fairly recently. And it, I believe, I'm not sure about this, I believe I read where it could or had a uh, you know the ability to land on water. But I don't know if you've seen, you know, the TMZ video. There's a lot of... There's a lot of I guess discussion now about 
you know, whether he, whether the plane or something was in distress or if he's actually, um, you know, trying to do some, 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 uh, daredevil some stuff with whatever, it, but, yeah. but who's yeah. to say it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, somebody lost their husband, somebody lost their father and their brother and all that. So it's horrible. Talk about how, how he loved to help people and how into it he was. Mark Topkin had a great anecdote talking to Kevin Cash and Kevin Cash said he just it was a week or two ago, and he coached Roy Halliday. Besides helping out at Calvary Christian, I guess he coached like some travel teams, AAU teams, that sort of thing. And Kevin Cash ran into him at one of those, and he was going to go say hi to him, but he said he was so into the game hmm. that he goes, hey, like he doesn't want to talk to me right now. He's too busy coaching. So um, anyway, it's just just a, a awful tragedy, and um, certainly uh, stunning. Uh, he'll be well re- long remembered. And I think the reason, Rick, that – you know, you mentioned he played in Toronto and Philly, and they didn't have a ton of postseason success. No. And that's why we don't think of him, I think, as much as we maybe think of even a guy like Clayton Kershaw because the guy he's pitched in the postseason. But, you know, as as Steve Versting pointed out to us, like when he finally did get in the playoffs, his first ever playoff game, how's he going <laughs> to pitch in the postseason? Dude throws a no-hitter. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah so. it's something. I heard a story about uh, one of his uh, no-hitters, not necessarily in the playoffs, but another one that, that uh, Greg Allman was, was actually – doing a game in Clearwater with the minor league team was covering it and his holiday was pitching this this perfect game or no hitter or whatever it was. Um just the people around that team and that and that um grounds crew, you know, the people that worked yeah. uh where the Phillies train were mesmerized and gathered around the television cheering wildly for him. Uh while he was off, you know, someplace else and with a big club uh, pitching a gym. So Shows shows you how they felt about him. Well, and I've all you, and I've always said this, Rick. You can always tell a person by how they treat people who can't really do anything for them. You know, it's That's one thing right. that if That's you're right. treating your teammates and 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 ownership well and everything, but the yeah. clubhouse guys and the guys that, that take care of the the the, the grounds, the, mm-hmm. you treat those guys well. It says a lot about who you are. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully, you have subscribed. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and all the places you get your podcasts. You can also reach us on Twitter. The podcast has a Twitter page. It's at Rick Tom Podcast. Also, you can find us at NFL Stroud at Tom W. Jones. Once again, our thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick. Take care. We'll talk to you next time when it's a football Friday. We'll get you ready for the big weekend of football, including the Bucks, hoping to find some Fitz magic against his old team, the Jets. So we'll talk to you then, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.